Good morning, everybody. Hope everybody's well. Happy Thursday. Everybody's having a great day here in the Northeast. It looks like a beautiful day today. We're heading into the world of 60s, which is a big day for us. People in the South are like, what? 60s? It's May. We're happy with 60s. Appreciate the little things in life. We're talking about this idea of thoughts and trying to understand what they are. What One of the things that we're trying to do right now, and if you're with me and you're listening, I want to be like really clear with what I'm trying to accomplish. The more we demystify things that we can sense, the more we can control them. The more we demystify our brains, the more we can control it. If anyone's ever gone through um, therapy, you'll see that that's really one of the underlying themes of therapy is the demystification of the things that you think you can't control, namely your mind. The demystification of thoughts. That just because you have a thought, you don't become the thought. This, by the way, although it's relatively new in history, is fairly ancient in Jewish thought. I mean, that we've been, Jewish thought has been speaking about these principles for, you know, thousands of years. The idea that you're not your thoughts. Now, it's deeper than I'm saying. I'm, I'm not giving this justice, but everything in Torah is deep. So let's just go to the surface. We, it's it could be understood, even though it's much deeper, that that's we have terms like the evil inclination, the yetsahara. What is that? What does that even mean? What's what's a yetsahara? What's an evil inclination? We have concepts like this. The yetsah tov, the good inclination. You know, even when you grew up, there were these. You know, if you remember those cartoons when, like, you know, the kid comes out of the candy store and he's like, you know, should I use the change that mommy gave me to give it back to her? Like she asked, or should I buy the candy? And then like, like, you know, pop, like a little devil pops up on one shoulder with like, uh, you know, horns and a little pitchfork and goes, use it to, you know, buy the candy. And then like some angelic looking figure goes, no, your mother said not to. It's dishonest. Like you're. I, we grew up with, I don't I'm, I'm sure, like, have you seen this before? Like a million times growing up? There were like shows like this when I was a kid. How, like in your brain, I don't remember the show, like in your brain, there's like good guys and bad guys, you know, the guy sitting on the couch and like the nice guy. And like, I think even like there was a, a movie that, that Pixar made about this. About the mind and the different parts of the mind. And this is a, a concept that, I don't say it comes from us, but I got to tell you, like, we've been talking about this for generations. Now, what it means is deeper than this conversation, is deeper than even I know. But at the surface, what it is, how it manifests is thought, right? The Yetzir Har, the evil inclination, the bad devil, the guy on your side with the pitchfork is just whispering into your ear. He's not controlling your hands. He's whispering and you, whatever that is, has the choice to either go to the devil or go to the angel, the evil inclination or the good inclination. Well, what that means is that thought is not you. You don't have to listen to it. As we demystify things, we put them in front of our eyes to see we can control them. Your mind 
Well, let's say your brain is a computer. Your mind, your soul may be different, but your brain is just a computer. So if you bite your fingernails, like, it's okay. You just you gotta learn how to change the program. It's not the end of the world. If you have a habit, now I'm not saying they're easy, but you can change the program. It's a program. Your mind has thoughts. Those thoughts come from different places. It's not you. It's the thoughts. Evil inclination, good inclination, thoughts. Previous neuroplasticity that you don't even remember you have. You have, you know, neuro connections hanging in there that, you know, you got rid of, but still has a, some strands left of two different connections. So when you drive by that place, you don't know why you thought about this thing. Well, it's because you, you, you used to drive by a place looking, looking like that when you were younger and it had a strong connection, but you haven't done it in a long time. So the connection weakened, but when you saw a place and it triggered it, it's called deja vu. You ever feel that way? You hear a song, all of a sudden you're back in camp. How'd you get back to camp? You haven't been to camp in 30 years. Because it's the strand of neuroplasticity that's still in your mind. It's not you, it's a computer. It's okay. But what's so critical and what we're trying to drive towards, and maybe it's simple in its understanding, but it's difficult in its awareness, is the ultimate power that you have. You can say this is the essence of what's called free will. You have in a source of power, of independence, that is able to reject your own thoughts, that is able to go to your own brain, even though you can't touch it and you can't feel it and you can't see it. It's able to go into the world of thought, which nobody can see. Scientists can see the impact of thought, but they can't see the thought. And you're able to look at that which is intangible and you have a mechanism inside you that can reject that. It's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible that we have, by the way, this is what separates us from animals, is that we have this incredible ability to have very powering thoughts and then be able to reject them. That means that a thought has to go up against the thought. Do you see that? Like, how do you reject the thought only with another thought? Which means that you have the power, if you could almost imagine the video game taking place in your mind, you almost have the power to give more strength to this thought than to that thought. So when they battle, this thought beats this thought. You're controlling, if you will, the war of thoughts. And so eat the ice cream is a thought. Don't eat the ice cream is a thought. And you, the essential you, your soul, you have to be different than those thoughts because then well, then you wouldn't be able to control them. It can't possibly be that you are your thoughts because then once it comes in, eat the ice cream, you won't have any control. The fact that you can, in a way, stand in between, eat the ice cream, don't eat the ice cream. Say that thing to that person. Do not say that thing to that person. Help. Don't help. Just that battle that takes place in your mind. You have to have been and you have to be some source in between those two 
those two teams, the good team and the bad team, in order for you to be able to control one or the other. Once we understand that what's taking place in our lives, for the most part, are things that are not who we are, but things that we can control, we demystify it. It doesn't mean that you wake up one morning and can control it. It means you're beginning to get control over it. When you hit snooze and you remind yourself, that wasn't me who said go back to sleep. Just like it wasn't me who said get up. I'm the guy in between. I'm the woman in between. I'm the one who has to choose which of my thoughts to listen to. And over time, if I choose right, it'll be easier to choose right. And I will take the power that I have, which is something that is beyond even my thoughts, and embolden it. This, by the way, is, if you remember the show we did on people that are recovering from addiction. This is, I think, the essence of what makes them great. It's because the thought about doing something that was destructive was not only in their thoughts, it was wired into their hard brain. The, the, the drug wasn't just like, hey, why don't I take the drug? Hmm, maybe you shouldn't. It was a synthetic material designed to create literal addiction. It's an addictive substance that is now hardwired into the brain. And the brain is looking for it. By the way, so is your phone, but not for now. So is social media, just so you know. It's hardwired. But it's a different story. The ability to understand, for them to understand that, right, the dopamine that we get when you do a destructive behavior, that means that they'd have to be, find a piece of themselves that was deeper than, than the thoughts so that they can control those thoughts and triumph over the negative thoughts. And then over time, it'll be easier and easier to say no. That's why if you speak to someone who's recovering from alcohol, they'll say five years sober. Why are they counting for? Because whether they recognize it or not, they triumphed. And they're reminding themselves every day that I triumph again, I get stronger. But what what we got to draw drill down towards here is this idea of our incredible power to be in control of so much more in our lives than we think. Yesterday we spoke about this idea of, of unpacking thought and recognizing that thought is really energy that is sometimes packaged in good or empowerment and sometimes packaged in, in, in disempowerment, but it's just energy. The energy to pull us away or the energy to bring us close to really the things that we deep down, that deep down satisfy our soul. 
But once we see it as energy, then when the thought comes in that's negative, we look at it and go, oh, I got energy. Okay, I just got to get rid of the package, but I'm keeping it. Versus I can't believe this happened or I got to fall to it or I'm a bad person. So as you know, we do the trips. If you don't know by now, you should. So one time I remember at the Kotel, I'll never forget the way the trips work. It's a very powerful experience with God's help. So we go to the Kotel typically on Wednesday. Money the guys go for the first time. We go again Friday night. So one year, a guy, first time being there, was very moved on Wednesday night. And he decided that he was going to go back um, Friday. We all went together. So we went. So the last day of the trip is Sunday. Sunday. We leave Sunday night. So he decided he was so moved those two times that he was going to go with his rabbi to Sunday morning to pray at the wall and then come back for breakfast. Not going to miss breakfast. I mean, come on. There's levels and there's levels. You're not going to miss an Israeli breakfast, like even at the wall. So he wakes up early, three or four guys, they jump into cabs, they run, to, they go to the wall, they pray. And I'm, I was there as well. So I waited to see, you know, to see the guys. We all walked back together. So we're walking back and the guy, I'm like, so what'd you think? He's like, very disappointed. I was like, that wasn't what I was expecting. Very disappointed. I was expecting, like, very moved. I said, what disappointed you? He said, myself. I said, what about yourself? Disappointed you. He said, if you even knew the thoughts in my head, I was embarrassed to be at the wall with what's going on in my head. I get so much garbage in my head. So many things I've let myself see that are inappropriate. So many negative, destructive, lewd thoughts. And I was trying to like get rid of them. Like I'm I'm by the wall. I'm by the wall. I just couldn't get them out. And I felt terrible. I felt like I was walking in front of the presence of God filled with dirt. We feel that way sometimes. We feel like if you knew what was in my head, if you really knew me, you forget that? You ever feel that? If you really knew me. I know I'm smiling, but I'm really jealous of this person. I know I look like I got it together, but I don't got it together. I know everything looks great. There's nothing that's great. Like we almost feel like imposters sometimes because we think of the thoughts that are in our head and we say to ourselves, like, if you really knew me, if you knew what was in my head right now, you wouldn't respect me as much as you respect me. If you knew some of the traits that I'm not proud of, interpersonal traits, if you knew some of the thoughts that pop in out of nowhere that shock even me, if you knew some of the things that I think about and that I remember, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know me. I'm, I'm weaker than you think. I'm scareder. That's not a word, but we'll make one. I'm more 
afraid than you think, more envious and jealous than you think. I, there are so many things going on in my head that you'll never see because I put on such a good front that you don't really know what's in my head. And the answer is, doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter what's in your head. Because all the stuff in your head is really divine energy. And if you see all the thoughts in your head and say, hey, I am the cover of the thought, you're missing the point. You're not the cover of the thought. You're not the thought. You are the energy that is within both sides of the thought. Who you are is a source that is deeper than the thoughts that you have. And even the thoughts that are going on are really, they're diamonds covered in dirt. <clears throat> trying to explain to this guy, unsuccessfully, that the fact that he's even having a guilt for some of these thoughts is such a holy thing. The presence even of appropriate guilt. And I know that the Jewish moms are like, guilt? Positive? Awesome. Like, I know that's, as soon as you say guilt to like a Jewish mother, she's like, I knew I, I knew I used it for a reason because mo Jewish mothers invented guilt. And if they didn't invent it, they perfected guilt. But sometimes, sometimes a measure of guilt. And for the Jewish children out there, you're, you, you're almost immune to the guilt at this point. But a measure of guilt is is quite holy. The fact that you feel bad about thinking certain things is actually very powerful. The fact that you can stand and go, wait, I shouldn't have, or I should have, or do you know me? The imposter syndrome, as, as debilitating as it may be, is quite powerful. It reminds us that we're not the center of the world and we have what to grow in. That's tremendous. The thoughts that we have in our minds, they're not good or bad. Just the covers are good or bad. Each thought is, is, a, is an energy source. Each thought has a power. Each thought can direct us to be better. Each thought can remind us about how much more we need to strive. Each thought could be unpacked in the negative and we can use it to strive. We need, and I know this is so hard. That's why I'm going so slow. We need to start to see ourselves as the curious observer of our thoughts. That's interesting. Why did I just think of that? Or why do I feel that for? We're not blown away by negative thoughts. We're not pulled in the direction that we don't want to be pulled because we had a thought. We're not just like, like the little kid goes, can I get ice cream? You don't just hand them ice cream. A little negative thought goes, go do this. You don't just do it because the thought says you do it. The more we can demystify thoughts and distance ourselves from it a little bit and watch it a little bit, the more we can control it, unpack it, dismiss it delve into it, appreciate it.
And now we are getting to a place where we're taking all of the sources and the energies of power that we need, using them properly. That's how you get the energy to do great things. That's how you get the energy to do, to have a great life. It's all in, we have all the energy we need. Just going to have to use it properly. All right. Thanks everybody for being here. We'll continue a little bit. Just we'll try to nail this topic down today, tomorrow. All right. Have an amazing day. Have an amazing day. Try to watch your thoughts a little bit today. Be curious with those, some of those thoughts. Don't, don't be blown by them. Just be curious about them. See if by de- demystifying it, you get a little more control. All right. Have a great day. And with God's help, I look forward to seeing you again. Manana. Mm-hmm.